So we've really enjoyed teaching through the book of Ephesians at Radius, and we got to this um, pretty amazing part as the Apostle Paul addresses children specifically, which is shocking for the culture, and it awakened for many of our folks, for y'all, this deep desire to parent well. Uh, Many of us have some pains from being parented poorly, or we, we are living in some of the difficulties of trying to figure out how to parent in this season. It's been a a heavy topic for Radius, which is, uh, I don't know if it's surprising, it's just been really clear this is a massive subject for our culture and certainly for us at Radius Church. So we we set aside a night and we invited any parents that wanted to come and pray, and it was terrific. We had parents with older kids that were praying that their kids would turn back to Jesus. We had younger families praying that uh, they would be good parents and that they could guide their kids. It was powerful, and, and I don't know if you call it fun, but certainly worthwhile. And so uh, I want to pray on right here on the podcast for all of y'all taking it in, and then Cheryl and I will we'll chat up a little bit about what we've learned about parenting. We certainly are not experts. we got a lot of experience, but we're not experts, and, and we'll share. Let me, let me pray over and for all of us in this process. Father, you know uh, how important this is to us and how important it is to so many people at Radius and and really in our country and around the world. We we want to do right by our children. We want to uh, lead them well and as you would have us to. We want to have energy to show affection and love and energy to discipline. We, we really want to set them well, them up well for the rest of their lives. So we just very frankly, Lord, ask for help. Many of us that are older and have watched our kids uh, do well and falter and do well and falter, Lord, some of us are in spots where it's heavy right now as we see our kids struggle with life. So we pray uh, that you would pursue them, Lord, that you would chase after them and draw them to yourself and show them favor And uh, where they need to be rescued, rescue them. Where they need to be put in a better position, please do that as well, Lord. And we're going to seek to answer these questions. And, uh, you know, Cheryl and I have limited understanding. Father, you're the great father. You're the one that never has made a mistake as a father. So we, we pray that you would teach us as we talk and teach us as we learn to parent grown kids and teach our, our, our friends and the parts of the Radius family out there. Lord, we all want to be good at this, so speak into us individually even as we uh, talk about these few things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Really thought that's the right way to start because this thing for you and I, Cheryl, is... Uh, We've, you've read more than I have, but it's definitely been a spiritual journey, parenting. And mm-hmm. in the end, we see ourselves as followers of Jesus first, mm-hmm. as a married couple second, and as parents mm-hmm. third. And, and really, second and third are distant from our relationship with the Lord. So the, our relationship with the Lord really plays into this mm-hmm. thing called parenting. Yeah, I would say it has to be the core. I talk a lot in my small group about how... Um, in the flesh, we orbit around ourselves, and yet God God calls us to this verse. Actually, I just looked it up before I came here. It says, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. It's funny, we talk about Jesus being so sweet, 
but he demanded our all. We are as persons of faith who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for our for our salvation, for our life here on earth and for future. We are called to orbit around God, mm-hmm. not ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not even it is a one, two, three, God's first, but it's it's more everything that we have, right. everything that we are is centered around him. So parenting, it that's huge. So I I think um it's an outflow. It's an outflow yes. of our relationship with the Lord. Yes, yes. I think of, I heard this before I even had children, I think, or when I had young children, and it has resonated with me. I think it was the dictator Stalin who said, give me a child for the first five years and I'll give you a communist for life. Now, that doesn't mean the child is lost forever if you don't parent well your your first five years, but it did give me a sense of how how intentional we need to be in our parenting, how we need to go after wisdom, seek it with, though it, it costs all we have, Proverbs says, go after it like hidden treasure. Yeah, we got pregnant, we got kids, we had all, you know, we had some pictures in our mind. What really surprised me was uh, from your side of the parenting duo that we are, how you had to decide to give time to the Lord Mm-hmm. Because of the sheer amount of energy and work little kids were, you you had to, and it, it, you, you came off the tracks there a little bit at times, but then <laughs> you had to find, like, what's my best time? And for you, like, yes. that was nap time, right? Yes. To make yes. sure this relationship with the Lord was right in order right. to be able to do all this other stuff right. So there's principles in parenting that any parent across the globe can pick up mm-hmm. and do a better job than than some if they just do some principles. And yet we're looking for a power, the power of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. We want our children transformed from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I, I I had some principles that I started learning and I and I utilized, and yet when my heart got dry with the Lord, I wasn't a good wife or a good mother to the extent that I could be. The power was gone. There's a power of humility, of grace, of truth, of love that actually is a natural outpouring from my walk with God. So when I, even as a mother with six kids, mm-hmm. found the time daily to be with God and gave him the sacrifice of my time, and gaze deep into his eyes, as it were. You know, I, I use the illustration of instead of just talking about him all the time, serving him, I was sitting at his feet. Mm-hmm. It transformed me. It changed me. And it certainly, you know, invigorated our marriage. Yes. So when we start this, as, as you guys take this in, we, we did not want to miss the spiritual component of our personal walk with the right. Lord. And then even our husband and wife's connection to the Lord together mm-hmm. before we get to parenting. But then you've you've read some cool stuff in the last little bit. You saw seven principles that you read yes. in an article that we thought would be really good for you guys to listen to. And, and then we had five or six questions come in that we've kind of put into a few categories, and we'll try to answer those questions as well in, in the next 20 minutes or so. What would you read? What are the seven? Yeah, seven I just, it's, if, like I said before, if you seek, you will find. And I just, I stumbled across some seven traits that I just thought were really good. And you, you guys have heard some of these when uh, John spoke on it. Um, the first was authority. And we, we spoke um, from the front about the first thing when children are very, very young is we're establishing authority. That uh, as believers, God is the real, Russell said this the other day, he's the real authority. He's mm-hmm. the genuine, authentic, the supreme authority overall as creator and redeemer. 
Um, but we are also as parents in authority. And so we are reflecting Christ to our kids that we're reflecting that relationship between us and God, um, to our children. So teaching them to respect authority mm-hmm. is essential. Um, just as God requires and expects obedience from us, um, then we need to expect and require obedience from our children and to not do so just makes it all the more difficult for them to understand who God is and how we relate to him. Yeah, we put that in words, which is somewhat simple when we talk about authority, but certainly for our parents taking this in with kids zero to five, this is just a ton of work. So practically, Energy. sorry, mm-hmm. didn't mean to interrupt, no. but practically I was thinking of when my oldest was a little boy and I was I was pretty strict and I had mm-hmm. I had set boundaries and enforced them, but I remember he, you know, kids get fussy if they don't get a certain thing and he loved his juice, his little sippy <laughs> cup of juice and he just wanted his juice all the time and if he didn't get his juice, he fussed and I remember going to the doctor and they're asking me about nutrition and how he was eating and I said, well, I've had a hard time getting him to eat as much as I'd like. He just loves his juice. And the nurse or doctor looked at me and leaned forward, and I will never forget this. She leaned forward and said emphatically, you are the parent. Mm -hmm. You determine what the child eats or drinks. You determine how much. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, well, they fuss if they do this. So I just, that was so profound. And I was already practicing it in some areas, but if we can figure out overall Um, In all the areas from eating and drinking, from sleeping, it it doesn't mean it's easy. But if we can set what is healthy for the child and as their authority, the child doesn't know. They're born not knowing right from wrong. Mm -hmm. So we're explaining good hygiene. We're explaining good eating habits. We're explaining how to have integrity, how to be honest, what is right, what is wrong. All of that comes from, but we have to teach them to trust us as their authority, to respect us as their authority. Yeah, and even as they get older, and we, we talked about this uh, when we talked about it on Sunday morning, there's still this question of who's in charge in the home. And so whether they're one or whether they're 17, there's there's still that question is still very important. Who's in, who's in charge in the home? It's going to be the rest of their life. They're always going to be mm-hmm. under authority. And yes. Certainly changes. An older kid has mm-hmm. all, a ton more right to ask a question and so mm-hmm. forth. But authority is a monster part of developing a child. So the second trait goes along with that because as we're teaching them, we are the authority, getting them to obey, to respect, putting our foot down, giving the second thing I love that I read is that love is vital. Mm -hmm. So everything that we do is done out of love. Now that doesn't mean that we're not strict. It doesn't mean we don't discipline, but love means you seek the best for the other person. Love is at a sacrifice to ourselves, which may mean that if we're a person who doesn't enjoy disciplining, we force ourselves to discipline. Mm-hmm. And then if we're one who tends to be, okay, raise my hand here, harsh mm-hmm. in the way we discipline, where we're quick to discipline, sometimes overly quick, then we may need to learn how to slow down and calm down and how to do it um, without all the emotion coming out. There's so love seeks the best. So yeah, in our in our society, love, you know, it gets distorted to mean feel like you've got for your two year old to spend five thousand dollars on their birthday party. Like it, it gets all out of whack when love's not mm-hmm. really that complicated. Mm-hmm. Certainly giving gifts and taking mm-hmm. care of your kids in some way you can demonstrate love, but that is just a tiny part of real love, which means placing yourself second 
mm-hmm. and uh, re- really, you know, so so then it's about the child not in, only in the moment, but for the rest of their lives. That's what you got your head wrapped around, which is is difficult to do because we care a lot about ourselves as, mm-hmm. as parents mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. So out of love. We seek wisdom by watching other parents, by reading books. But if we don't know how to love well and we end up enabling misbehavior or even even sleep habits, if we bring them into our bed and leave them in our bed for five years, we don't love them or our spouse well. Right. You know, we need to have our marriage first, protect yeah. our marriage. Mm-hmm. So we want Which to... Which is really loving the child. Absolutely. Yeah. They need to feel that. So... Out of love, we do hard things. Mm-hmm. We have we have uh, caring and nurturing, but we also have discipline and boundaries. All of that comes out of love. Mm-hmm. The third thing is intentionality, and all of this won't just happen. I love the word intentional, um, being intentional, because you don't just have a baby, come home from the hospital, and you know just how to do it. Absolutely not. <laughs> I've never driven so carefully as the first drive home. Unbelievable. Had to learn. We had to learn how to do all of it. Isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. So that where I just said when when they're young, you may have to learn how to sleep train them. So you might want to read books or you might want to ask people. You if and like I said before, if you're harsh, learn to soften. If you're soft, passive, learn to stand up. But as they get older, it's so easy to be passive, especially nowadays. And let the TV babysit them or let something, a device babysit them. And if you're not intentional to learn how to um, love and care and nurture and set boundaries for your child and then learn how to talk to and draw out your teenager. If we're not intentional in learning, then we will not have the home that we desire. Yeah, dads, I'll speak to you particularly. We, you know, usually we're hustling somewhere and then we get home. It's really easy to turn off our minds. And so like, which is okay for the first 30 minutes when you get home, but then there's got to be this plan that we're trying to execute in our homes, which, you know, like some folks that are really organized, our friends, the Kirklands, they have an annual get together and, and uh, Brian and Tricia, they talk about their plan and dream for the family. Now their kids are older, they include the kids in that conversation. is really, really cool. You and I are not so organized, but this is more <laughs> of a daily and weekly conversation that we're having at night, reviewing where the kids are, that's being intentional. Mm-hmm. Even even a quick prayer in the evenings where you and I will pray for the kids um, and acknowledge either the things that they're dreaming about or the things that they're struggling with, mm-hmm. really healthy. But you have to be intentional or just all, next thing you know, they're 18 and they're, they're out of here. That's right. And that ties in with from Radius we talked about the next stage after establishing authority is teaching responsibility. Well, it takes a lot of intentionality. Um, you can you can get uh, chore charts. They can be they can be two years old, and you actually help them go over and pick up a toy and put it away. It can be one toy when they're really young, yep. but to start teaching them, we make a mess, we clean up the mess, and they don't have to do it perfectly. But you teach them and train them, and then as they get older, you you intentionally seek ways to give them greater responsibilities and they get to do more fun things if they fulfill those responsibilities. I th- I also think the intentionality as a parent in your way, um, the next word in these traits is respect. And I think that has to do with being intentional in 
your vocal way of treating them. A lot of parents, um, I was one of these, <laughs> my volume would go up as I got upset. And if they weren't listening, I guess I thought that by getting more intense and loud and angry, that never that did would... that with me. Why do that with the kids? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> so being... Being respectful to your child doesn't mean you don't discipline, you're not firm, you're not established in authority, but it means that you don't demean, Mm -hmm. you don't shame, you don't expect of them things that you will not do. So there, there is this... And, and you don't manipulate. So yes. when you're the authority, you don't need to manipulate. When you manipulate, you're actually acting like they're the... They're in charge, and so you have to work them to get to do what you want them to do as opposed to being the authority where you tell them and guide them mm, to what they do. That's so good. you're respecting them, mm-hmm. but you actually disrespect them when you have to manipulate them into movement. Mm. One of the best tips you gave me, John, was because you saw how I would – I would, and I had six, so they're all coming at me, and I'm just, you know, and then it's this or that, or he did this to me, or this. And John got the idea. I had a giant marker board that someone had given us as a gift that I just loved. And John got the idea that I just write on there some consequences. So I had, you know, Malachi might have been three and Zaya was 14. So I had a variety of kids, but I would have things like pull weeds. Um, now we had general chores that we expected. You're a part of the household, so this is just when you eat, right. you take it. your cups and your dishes over to the sink and rinse right. them. And, you know, if you're really, really little, then I would find something. You at least carry your cup over. Yep. The older ones had to carry everything, un- and they had to clear the table, and they had to rinse the dishes and put them in the dishwasher and help clean up the kitchen. And to this day, my 30-year-old, my 20s, they know when the meal's over, they just head in the kitchen. They start they cleaning. They music on. They start dancing. But, y'all carry on. So that, that was a little tangent, yes. <laughs> The music's nice. It's we make it fun. We do make it fun, and that's. But um, having chores listed on a marker board so that when a child misbehaved, instead of yelling, I would say, I would tell them to do something. If they didn't do it, I would say, go to the marker board. Here's what you're going to do. And then if they threw another, I don't want to do it. Then I would say, we're going to add another chore to that. And I would be. I, it taught me to be calm. Mm-hmm. But to have a list of things to fall back on for discipline and even having it written up there helped me keep my calm and my cool. And sometimes even sending them to their room, to their bed, to have them think about it and give me time to cool down was a great tip. Yeah, I I know everybody taking this in does not have a father and a mother in the home. But in our case, Cheryl was able to execute some of that, the respect she had a natural respect, and I supported that respect. So certainly as our sons got older, they knew because of who I am, that they had to follow through when you spoke. And that, it's just a monster deal for dads, but particularly if you're gone a lot, to stand with your wife when when she is leading. And a lot of sometimes I didn't even fully believe you were doing the right thing, but I knew I better stand with <laughs> you. Yeah, you let me you. know that later. Yeah, later, privacy. that's exactly right. And, that, and they had this fear, and I use mm-hmm. that word parents, like mm-hmm. with, without apology. Mm-hmm. They had a fear that I was going to come into that situation. And a couple mm-hmm. times when I did, it scared them. I, I, you know, We never did anything abusive no. to the children in yeah. any way, but there was this fear of disappointing their father, yes. that I was going to show up and yes. I was going to have your back like right. no other time mm-hmm. in their disciplined days. Mm-hmm. And that really made the house run smooth. Mm-hmm. And it 
gift it gave them this gift it did of how, how to live another gift I felt like was when we show respect for each other that's right one of the a big compliment my sons have given me is we want a wife that believes in us the way we see you believe that's right in dad and I and it doesn't mean that we we they know we that's another thing they think is funny is because I will literally tell them I disagree with dad on something with John and then I'll start telling why he believes what he believes like I give him the benefit of but here's why he thinks that I kind of don't agree with him but even as I'm talking sometimes I switch to your side but I just give the respect out of respect listen and honor Which you also meant even we if had we disagree to really work on not arguing in front of the kids right. all those ki- kind right. of things we we fought to get better at so I'm just going to go through the last yep, few because we don't have a lot of time, but time. one is boundaries and limits, which we've already talked some about. Again, you are the parent. Mm-hmm. You set the boundaries. However you set the boundaries and enforce them, your kids will raise mm-hmm. the standard to be what you expect. So you're the one setting the standard. Your child is not owed smartphones. That is your, you pay the bills. You are giving them a gift, which goes to the ne- next one which is gratitude. When we practice gratitude with our families, it helps the children in us fight selfishness, which causes division. So if we expect gratitude to be shown on a regular basis in deliberate ways, it helps our children see all the goodness of God. It helps us and and one of the one of the things we're taught as believers are we are to seek the best in one another. So we teach gratitude. So even as we're training children, setting boundaries for what they do, it's also attitude, mm-hmm. how they think, how they express themselves. With little kids, you got them actually saying thank you. You got these crazy yes. hand motion things that I've seen y'all yep. do with the babies. We do, little sign With older language. kids, you'd have our kids write thank yous when they got a gift. They're writing, like they're literally writing a thank you when they got a gift from their grandmother mm-hmm. just to ingrain in their mind, you're not owed this. Right. I can still remember one kid telling me that all the other kids at school had a car and I remember I stopped the car, my car on the side of the road, pulled over on the side, turned around, looked at him and like, I don't owe you a car. Like, mm. like there's this entitlement that I couldn't afford to buy him a car at the time. I, could, I, mean, I, I wanted to, like I wanted them to have stuff I couldn't afford to. And I certainly didn't owe it to him. And I want him to understand. All of a sudden, I'm like, that is jacked up. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's struggling with gratitude. He's struggling with understanding. Mm-hmm. I'm picking you up, you know, and taking you somewhere as opposed to providing a vehicle for for him, which just wasn't in our, you know, it didn't work for our budget. So all of that, like, is a process of teaching gratitude mm-hmm. and actually arguing against entitlement. Yeah, it, it's so which good. Is, you know, it's and, so and, good. Well, argues against our feelings. This is not just how we feel in the moment. We're teaching our, mm-hmm. we are expected to to practice gratitude whether we feel like it or not. And that, some of this, that discipline is what leads us to, um, our hearts learning that it's like it's like exercise. You have to start even if you don't feel like it, and then your muscles begin to build, and then you it begins to come more natural to you. Next is grace and forgiveness. Parents need to be willing to model forgiveness and grace to their children, regardless of how of the personal cost, regardless of our pride. Mm-hmm. My children also mentioned to me that they appreciated that when I really got out of whack with them angry in in not a godly way and there is a time to be angry Mm -hmm. but i i did out of my flesh but the times i would come to them and say listen you were disobeying mom but mom was not right to act that way to you Mm -hmm. i was ugly and that did not honor god and i am sorry now i still need you to obey 
but I was not right in the way I did it. That made all the difference. So I think we're afraid. I got to watch a lot of that, and I just want to hmm. like explain to parents taking that in. Cheryl would actually apologize, but wouldn't lose authority. Right. And so, right. like the way you apologize is really important. So you address both the child's failure in that moment and yours. You don't make light of yours. You own it. And you're teaching them to own it, but you're not giving up authority. That's so you're not good. making them mm-hmm. equal to you. You're simply uh, acknowledging failure. That's good. The last one is adaptability. And this is probably one that people, most people just ditch, but I really like it. Paul says something amazing in Philippians 4.11. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, when we say, oh, I don't want to battle over, you know, I'll, I'll make whatever, if they don't want what I made for dinner, I'll go make them something else. And now it's your home. You can choose to do that. But I, I see that teaching a child not to be content with whatever they're given, whatever's in front of them. And it can lead them to not be happy with God when things go tough, if things don't go the right way. They want, a child might want everything to go their way. And we want to teach our children life is hard. It's a broken world. Things are not going to go the way we want. And we have to learn to rise up in whatever situation we're in, whatever's put in front of us to eat. Um, when, when things go haywire, don't go our way. We want to teach our children how to rise up and still walk in faithfulness with God. So that adaptability, I think is a really cool one that I hadn't thought of that I saw on the list. All right. Read the seven again, if you will. And then we'll answer these questions. We're going to do them in 90 seconds of question. Okay. We're done. Uh, Authority, love, intentionality, respect, boundaries and limits, gratitude, grace and forgiveness, and adaptability. Cool. So we got several questions in from a variety of families that we won't go through each one individually, but I'll hit like the idea of the question and combine a few. My favorite one, so I'm going to give it more than 90 seconds. The rest of them are going to be 90 seconds. My favorite question was, how do you build confidence in your children, um, you know, in a crazy world? And really their question was that simple. How do you build confidence? I uh, immediately thought we had to be confident. Mm, that's good. They're watching a parent and like our confidence in what we believe. So our life, as far as back to the very beginning of this podcast, as far as how um, committed were we going to be to Jesus and our confidence that that came above all Mm -hmm. else, Mm -hmm. that means we're confident when it comes to the education, everything else. Mm -hmm. It all starts with Jesus, and then we work our way out. There's Mm -hmm. this confidence that comes from us that we pass on to our kids, and that starts Mm -hmm. from zero to five of not Mm -hmm. apologizing. This, This is what we do. We are defining reality for them. This is what we believe when we're developing responsibility. You're actually teaching them to be able to handle their own business. And so so they're able to be confident that they can handle their own business. And then when it comes to that last word, facilitating independence, as they go try stuff, there's all this room for affirmation. And then for telling the truth, honey, you can't sing. Like, like, Probably shouldn't say it like that, but like, let, let's move you on to something else that you're good at. You actually Sorry. build confidence when you don't give so out participation much. trophies because <laughs> That's right. participation mm-hmm. trophies actually, like, it tells you that you're good at something that you're not. And then when the kids at school make fun of you for it, like, you don't know what to do about yeah. it because your parents yeah. told you that Santa Claus existed, yeah. right? Like, like they're they're making this like it's confusing right. uh, when the truth stuff gets mixed up. So. So good, John. Building confidence, big deal, big deal for us. Comes from truthfulness, learning the truth about yourself and the truth about God. So here's a great Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, 
one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. So just all that you said, but I love, it comes from the truth. Mm -hmm. So as we seek the truth of who God is, Mm -hmm. as we seek the truth of who we are in him, we're sinners. We're a mess. All of us need the grace and love of God poured out on us. But if we seek that, if we fear God above all, this is another verse I have. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. As we have the fear of the Lord and lead our children towards that truthfulness, honesty, and they're seeking God, then that's where the strong confidence comes from. They're not afraid. They're going to they're gonna fail. Now, we're all going to battle that in the, in the flesh. But love that, John. That was great. So confidence with, I'm not busting on Santa Claus, by the way, but if you're 14 and your kid believes in Santa Claus, he's going to look a little <laughs> odd at the high school when he's, when he's at Christmas time. Hey, but there's this possibility, dads particularly, I like the pressure. You could establish this culture in your home mm. that builds confidence. Mm-hmm. We got six. They were all different. They all have different levels of confidence. So I'm not saying every kid's going to be the same, but that culture right. Right. really helps establish them as men and women as they roll out. Let me get these last couple questions. One that you did a really good job at watching you through the years. There was a question about instruction and how do we teach the kids the Bible and how to be a biblical man or woman. Give a few practical tips on teaching the Bible in the home, 0 to 5, 6 to 11, 12 to 18. I think we basically touched on it with establishing authority, respect, sacrifice, truthfulness. What about the Bible? Well, that's... when when the Bible comes to life in your home because you're living when you're yeah. when you're speaking the stories of the Bible, reading to them. I, when, when are you doing that? When you I s- start young. Like the the videos I chose, I would go out and look for the Bible videos. Yeah. We may watch Disney now and then or something, but even some Disney I didn't. I wanted them to learn. See live illustrations of obedience, live illustrations of sacrifice, illustrations of who God is. So I would choose biblical videos. I had books that were biblical books for little children. You can find them anywhere. So we're a little outdated on our videos. We won't quote some of the Donut (laughs) Man videos we watched back in the day. The kids love that. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Odyssey, Story Keepers. If a young family wanted to read the Bible to kids right now, what what are they going to read this? The Storybook Bible is the best for little, little ones. Mm -hmm. But I would direct you to our Radius web webpage because we have now, we have a page of resources now and we're trying to keep adding to it. What about like you read to the kids when they were a little older than that, six, seven, eight, you read a variety of novels and stuff like that. What would you read? What, What could a parent read? Now, some of this goes back to intentionality. If you want to have a foundation of being biblical men and women, I had them read Heroes of the Faith. Right. There's a whole series called Heroes of the Faith. Mm-hmm. Some of them are out of print. What's their favorite? Which oh, favorite? their favorite is Samuel Morris. Samuel Morris. There's um, a book called Bruchko. There's um, The Hiding Place, Cory Ten Boom. Mm-hmm. There's just, I, some of y'all may not know, but there are men and women who have gone before us who have lived lives for Christ that are that just show the supernatural hand of God. And so I would have my children read all those books. And then add to that, I was very intentional on what they watched, what they read, and I think that made a world of difference. Things like um, even Little House on the Prairie showed them hard work. We wanted to give them a work ethic. Um, 
the Chronicles of Narnia is an excellent one that is it using um, fiction to portray Christ and our relationship mm-hmm. to him. Beautiful. So again, there are so many places you can find lists of good Christian books for your children. And all the while, our kids did public school, so we're, we are homeschooling after they go to public school. When they get back to the house, we're discussing stuff because they're, they're asked, they got all these things that they're being faced with. So we had to talk about sex and we had to give a biblical worldview of mm-hmm. these days, you got to give it of gender. You, you got to give yes. this biblical worldview on a regular basis to push back from a lot of what they hear and see. And then we also, right. even through high school, always we're in this process of walking with them as right. we, as we, facilitate independence, how do you handle this situation? And what are you going to do with a cell phone? Should you even have one? In our case, we, you know, uh, at the end of the deal, Malachi at 18 has got a flip phone and proud of it, right? Like (laughs) mad that he had to... We tried to build a culture of recognizing the healthiness of having less, of doing without, and especially of discipline. Um, I, this goes back to one of my favorite verses about raising children. In, in, well, I don't think it was meant for raising children, but Deuteronomy 6 talks about when you rise, when you sit, when you go out, when you come in, t- speak about these things, teach these things, instruct these things to your children. So driving down the road, going carpool line, going to school is one of the best times to be talking about things, seeing billboards, and explain to your kids mm-hmm. why it says what it says and what God says about that and what the world's trying to... I talked so much about, here is what the world's trying to get you to believe. And let me show you how people crash and burn when they believe that and follow what that. What we're not trying to do is convince you to do it our way. We're right. Conven- we're, what we do want to do today is say, if you're right. not taking the time... Right and considering what you're doing and, and working a plan yes. together, even as a single mom or single dad, then please do. We'd be happy to help you with that process. Last two questions that we got answered really quick, which yes. is probably not fair. A couple of folks asked about, is we talked a little bit about spanking, and they're like, is that mm-hmm. biblical? Yes, it's biblical. Is it the only way to di- discipline? Absolutely not. We had five right. sons. It worked well for us. We did it with discipline, uh, like, three swats. There's all kinds. And certainly folks have seen the really bad of that. Right. But for us, that was a good tool. We yeah. did other things. We did. And matter of fact, that would probably been the, you know, we didn't do that the most. We, you put people on their bed. You had Extra chores, chores they could do. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all variety. Yes. I just wanted to say it is biblical, but it is not the only way. Right. And each parent needs to have a form of discipline that they work out as far as consequences. A determined form instead of just reaching and swatting at your Absolutely kid. And I also right. encourage not to shame them by doing it in front of other people. Perfect. Last one was kids sports, which in our we should have done a whole podcast on because we don't really have time to address that. For us, we wanted to be in charge. So kids sports became this thing where... We certainly screwed it up at times where the baseball coach owned us and we had to make a decision. We couldn't give up that many family meals together. So we just had to work our way back, and I didn't do that well because I love baseball and basketball <laughs> and football and everything. We had to work our way back to making sure we were leading the family and not right. our culture. So youth sports would own right. us. For us, that meant Sundays we were like the kids wouldn't go play basketball on Sunday mornings. Is that like a the law that they can't for us, that's what we would do. And when they got really old, 17, 18, we'd work with them on that decision as they were kind of 
coming into their own. The question is, as we have a picture that we have of our family, if it's getting off track, That's right. where we can tell that we're beginning to, we're orbiting around ourselves, our sports, our, and we're not orbiting around God, that if we're going to be a true disciple of Christ, we have to put our affairs in order regularly. We have to re-switch up things, do whatever it takes to get our affairs in order to be following Christ as we want to follow, as we should follow him, and as we want our children to follow him. Hey, we love y'all. We took our full allotment of time, and we could have gone a lot longer, but we, we're really passionate about mm-hmm. parenting our children, your children, and the next generation. So we'll keep fighting for it together. Thanks for your time.